Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 26, How to Improve Your Public Speaking and Be a Leader Worth Following. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. Today we're talking about how to improve your presentations and public speaking skills and how that can help you be a leader whom other people think is worth following. My guest today is Kent Julian, who is a speaking coach and also speaks to thousands of students, educators, and business professionals all across America each year. Earlier in his career, Kent was a leader within a large national organization, and several years ago, he launched Live It Forward LLC to speak on goal setting, leadership, and career success. And he has a boot camp twice a year where he trains people who want to become public speakers. Kent, welcome to The Engaging Leader. It is great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. Now, Kent, for new or up-and-coming leaders, why is effective public speaking required for people to see you as a leader? I, I think the main thing is because in leadership, you are communicating concepts and ideas and strategy. It's all about communication. Before I was an entrepreneur, I was a leader and uh, as far as in a more of a corporate setting and uh, started out really in a small setting, but ended up moving to a pretty large setting to where I was the national director of a youth organization. And we served about 2000 churches across the United States. And I would say out of all the stuff that I did in leadership, uh, there was nothing more important than communicating both in the spoken word and in the written word. Those were clearly the most important thing. That was even more important than structural leadership or setting up the right organization structure, being able to communicate a vision and where we're going and how we're going to get there. Uh, Just huge, so important to be able to communicate. And again, I would say in this instance, it's not just speaking, but also in the written word. It seems to me there's something about being able to get up in front of a group and speak clearly and directly that adds to your credibility as a leader. Yeah, I think so. And I think what happens too is not only do you want, does it add to your credibility, but if you are an effective communicator and you can take uh, the big challenges that your organization or your association is, uh, that you you are facing and you can put those in, in such a way that um, you can boil down the challenge or the obstacle in front of you or your major objectives, you can cha- you can channel that down to one statement or one rallying cry and then uh, three clear ways of, of how you're going to approach that. What happens is, uh, number one, you give people something to get behind, but then number two, and I've used this term a lot when it comes to leadership, 
it's almost as if you create a rallying cry and a common language, a language within your own organization that people know what certain things mean. And that's very, very important. Uh, Again, when I was leading different organizations, especially when I was leading the national one, we had to really, really narrow down what we were about to one statement. And we had to have three or four major values that we were uh, promoting. And then we had to get everybody speaking the same language. We actually had to teach uh, and and show people and communicate with people that this is what this means so that when I would say this certain value, they understood what was meant in that value. So again, I can't think of anything that's more important than being a good communicator when it comes to leadership. Yeah, it seems like it's definitely important from a, an organizational clarity perspective around vision and values. And it seems like it's also helpful just in our own personal leadership. For example, I can remember early in my career, the first time I was promoted to a manager position, when that happened, I didn't have widespread credibility within the company as a leader just yet. You know, my my boss thought I was good enough and, and promoted me. But then there was a, a point where I gave a presentation to a large group of key leaders within the organization, and it was the first time that many of them had seen me speak. And I could see while I was speaking, I could see by their engagement and their raised eyebrows that I had made an impact on them. And, and one of the key people on my own team, this was somebody that now reported to me, who was about 10 years older than I was and a very sharp put person, she approached me afterward and said, you know, that experience had persuaded her that I was a leader worth following. And it it hit me that, wow, it's a good thing I've been making a priority to present and communicate well. Very cool. That's a, man, that's a great story. And what you're doing is just by that one instance, you're gaining credibility with key members on your team, which is huge. Everybody should be able to write a clear and concise email. But I think speaking, being able to give a nice presentation or a, a rallying cry, as you say, that, that tends to put you a cut above the others. It, it sort of makes you stand out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how about, that's kind of talking about a, a new leader or someone who maybe isn't even, even a leader yet, but how about experienced leaders? Do, do you think, is it important for them to continue to make effective speaking and presenting a priority to would that help them move their leadership to the next level of impact? Absolutely. And honestly, when we answered the first question, I wasn't in my mind, I wasn't uh, making any kind of distinction between a new and up and coming leader and an experienced leader. I missed that part in your question. So some of the stuff I already said is obvious key for um, experienced leader, but Again, when you talk about helping a, a leader move to the next level, uh, I, I just don't see, but besides who you are at the core of your being, besides your character and your integrity, I don't know what else you can do that will allow you to move forward in a leadership position better than develop your communication skills. Uh, organizational skills, those are great. Um and, and for behind-the-scenes stuff and being able to put people in the right place, all those things are important. But if you can't 
communicate that to your team or if you can't communicate where you're going and and what this is going to be about or even uh, effective, you know, a lot of times effective communication or effective public speaking isn't just the presentation, but then it's the ability to answer questions afterwards. It's the ability to interact with people afterwards and have clear responses and well thought out responses to the questions that you even know are going to be coming. All those things are essential to veteran leaders who are trying to do some really big things uh, with their organization. One of our clients at my firm, Aspendale Communications, the current CEO came up through the ranks of the accounting department, and he is not super comfortable with public speaking and, and his his style mm. is not the greatest and he really just prefers not to stand up in front of a group. And the executive vice president of human resources recognized that there was an issue here and that it really was holding back his leadership, the ability to influence and gain the confidence of the company as a whole. So he coached him for a while and the two of them eventually agreed that the CEO would work with a speaking coach to improve his delivery and style. And so it's interesting that a CEO of a large organization, in a way, decided to, to make it a priority to go back to the basics. Okay, Because you sort of yeah. think, oh, I should have learned that a long time ago. Well, this is, and, and I've been this successful without it. But he sort of recognized, I need to, I need to, to take some time and get really good at this skill because it's really holding me back otherwise. That's, that's a great story. And I think the word you use there at the end is really important. There is some natural ability to this, to being able to be a public speaker. There's people who really enjoy it. I'm one of those people who absolutely feel like I come alive when I get to communicate, especially when it's something that I'm passionate about. So there are people that are more naturally talented at public communication than others. However, it's a skill, it's a learned skill of how do you do this? How do you effectively communicate with people? So that's the key too, is that this individual, the CEO that you're talking about, didn't see it as a, well, I could never be good at that. There's definitely things that you can do to learn the skill of public communication. And on top of that, public communication or, or speaking is so often what's so important is that you're actually you when you're doing it. So he doesn't need to end up becoming somebody else to be an effective public speaker. He needs to be the best him that he can be as a public speaker. Oh, that's a good point. I guess one way to explore that question a little bit when you talk about natural ability, I guess a lot of us think of someone who is a good speaker that in order to to do well as a public speaker or even just give a good presentation you need to be an extrovert and and you need to be just love being you know being having energy around other people is is that true no absolutely not some of the if you look at uh, let, let's go into a different world here and you look at actors there are some of the best actors on the face of the planet are actually introverted and very shy. They're very good at playing a particular role of, of stepping into the role of a performance. And some of the best public speakers I know, when I've gotten to know them, there's a couple gentlemen in particular that I know that when I've gotten to know them on a personal level, it's almost weird 
that they're so shy and and in some ways almost I, I would go as far as saying uh, a little bit socially awkward and because I'm using that word I'm not going to share their names but because <laughs> they're <laughs> they're a little bit uh, socially awkward and as you get to know them you realize they are extreme introverts and it's not like they're they're some they're trying to be somebody else uh, on stage, but they understand that hey, here's a skill and here's a part of my personality that can come out that's on stage that when I'm off stage isn't really a part of who I am. So going back to the the actor scenario, there's certain uh, actors that they can end up playing a role, and and so they will play, you know, a particular let's say a a bad character's role and they'll play that really well and then there'll be a hero in another movie and they'll play that really well and even though it's the same person they they look like two you know they're they're totally into that character and then there's those other actors that it doesn't matter who they play and and i i can say this because uh this has been written over and over and over but ronald reagan was an actor who was ronald reagan no matter what he played so he was, you know, he was Ronald Reagan, the football coach, Ronald Reagan, the cowboy, Ronald Reagan, the the pilot in the Air Force. I mean, no matter what he played, he was kind of the same guy. And so when you look at uh, speakers, what I have found, people who do a lot of public speaking, the extroverts tend to be kind of who they are on stage or in front of people is just an enhanced, more exaggerated character of who they are in real life. And I've seen introverts who actually, when they get on stage, it is an enhanced part of who they are, but you might not see it when they come off uh, stage. So I I totally disagree. Some of the, the absolute best communicators I've seen are actually introverts, and they've just really learned the skill of how do you present and persuade and, and get through to people in a public format. That's interesting. One of the things that you alluded to it is that usually if you're speaking, especially to a larger group, you need to exaggerate or amplify a little bit. Why is that, and, and how, how do you do that? Yeah, and when I say that, I've always got to be careful the way I say that because I don't, it's not that you're ever, you know, making things up or anything like that. But what I mean by if you're telling something that you feel passionately about and you're speaking to a thousand people, you've got to remember that it's not like having a one on one conversation with somebody. And so uh, when you're speaking to a thousand people, you might be a, uh, you know that passion will come out in a in a more intense way. So I even look at Steve Jobs and when he used to do his uh, reveals of different Mac products and different things like that. It was very conversational, but the kind of in an intensity might not be the right word, but the um, the I'm going to use it. The intensity of his joy or his excitement would be enhanced or bigger on stage because he's feeling the adrenaline, he's connecting with the audience, the audience is excited. And even if it doesn't come out in, you know, big waving or expressive way of speaking, it's still, it's taking that calm one-on-one thing that he would have or uh, the conversation he'd have one-on-one and just taking it up a number of 
of levels because you're speaking to so many more people. Think of it this way. If you're at a party and you're speaking to someone one-on-one and you're just having a conversation with that person versus you're at a party and you're standing in a group of uh, 10 people and you're trying to tell a story and you tend to be more uh, exaggerated with your words and, and the intensity of how you're saying things and more expressive. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, if I could use take that analogy, in that case, you're, you're speaking without a microphone, but you, so you actually would, would literally raise your voice a bit to make sure that everybody can hear you. A lot of times if you're speaking to a group, even if you're mic'd and so you don't need to be shouting, you still have this distance between you and your audience. You're not just up close with someone one-on-one. And so you're a little more expressive. Your, your voice is still probably raised a bit and your, your gestures and your movements are, are, are a little more exaggerated, if you will, to make sure that everybody can feel that. And also you have to kind of own the energy in the room that everybody's there expecting you to lead them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's a great point. Own the energy. That's something I, I teach speakers often is that you are in, you are in charge of the energy in the room. You, you, when you step on stage, that's your energy. You've got to be the, the, uh, energy leader in the room. Yeah, that's a, I, I like the way you put that, the energy leader in the room. And and perhaps that's one of the reasons why pres- presenting and public speaking is so important for any leader because you, it, it's it's a it's such a, a key opportunity to be an energy leader. And when you are you're leading the energy in a room, then people actually start to see you as a leader. And and if you're not, then it's hard for people to truly see you as a leader. Let's say you do work with an organization, and let's not make it grand scale. Let's make it 50 people. You're leading an organization of 50 people. How often do you get all 50 of those people together to where you can tell them one, you know, the one or two or three things that are critically important to your company or your organization about moving forward? If you're working with 50 people, I, I can almost guarantee you, you don't do that more than once a month. And, and in some instances, it might be once a quarter. So you're talking about four times where you get everybody together and you get them on the same page and you say, this is what we're about or whatever your topic or your theme is that you think it's important enough to get everybody together so you make sure they all hear the same message. Well, if they all need to hear that same message and you're not good at delivering that message in a way they're going to understand it and remember it, then you're really shooting yourself in the foot. The, one of the reasons that, that I thought of that is my background was uh, I was in youth ministry. And at, when I was at a small church, you know, I could have conversations, especially with parents one-on-one. And, and I, I could do that. And within a month, I could talk to all the parents. When I got to a larger setting and I was working with 400 to 600 students, we would only have parent gatherings maybe twice a year, and those were huge. Or I had a volunteer team of 120 volunteers, and we, you know, in three different departments, and we'd only bring them together at the beginning of a school year and then at Christmas time and at the end of the school year, bring them all together. If I didn't nail those, I lost four months of where we were trying to get people to go. So that's what I'm talking about, about why communication is so important. How do you know if you are an effective speaker or if you need improvement? 
Well, if you're speaking and you've got people nodding off in the front row, you know <laughs> you're in trouble. Um, a couple different ways of being an effective communicator. One of the things that I think the most effective communicators are people who use stories and analogies not to illustrate the point of what you're trying to get across, but to actually make the point of what you're trying to get across. And I've learned this in my in my own life. Uh, again, my background was in ministry. So I, wa- I did a lot of, it was youth ministry, but you could call it preaching or, you, you know, that kind of stuff. And so when you do that, you're trying to share two or three points. And I used to try to illustrate my points so that people understood my points. But if you, were to, if, if you were to talk to a student three days later and say, what was one point that Kent shared, they couldn't tell you. You know, so I go, okay, so how effective is that? You know, I'm, I, I mean, it, yeah, are you giving them good information and over time all that information is going to help them? Yeah, sure. But if you got one shot, that's not that great. And, and when I transitioned into being an entrepreneur and being my, running my own business and, be, and speaking, becoming part of that business – I wanted people to remember what I was sharing with them and have it impact their lives. So what I one of the things I've done and that I think is really important for leaders to do is again not make a point and then try to illustrate the point, but use a story or analogy or something uh, like a major phrase that is going to teach the principle that you want to teach. So. Uh, a real quick example, I can't go into all the details, but I teach a concept called E plus R equals O, events plus R response equals the outcome. And the way that I teach it is with multiple different stories, and I let the stories teach the point. I cannot tell you how many times, this happened just this week, how many times I have somebody on Twitter say E plus R equals O or say events plus response equals the outcome, and they and they direct that to me. So this week I had a a college kid say, I just wrote a paper on events plus my response equals the outcome. And this is somebody who heard me months ago and he remembers it not because I made a point, hey, be positive and let me illustrate how to be positive or whatever the point might be. It's because of all the stories that taught that principle to him. I, I have, there's another story that I teach about taking big steps in life and taking big risks. And it's a story that I do in one of my keynotes. And there's a phrase in there that I use over and over. It's about a boy named Sean. And he he says, my name is Sean. I'm four years old. I hate Wawa. And I literally go back to different organizations to speak two years later. And people will come up to me and say that phrase word for word to me. And I'll say, that is hilarious. You remember the story and, and and what was the point? And they'll say, oh, yeah, that I need to take big steps off my diving board. That's the story. They remember the story, not the point. Isn't and, that But amazing? the point, the story teaches the point. Yeah. So, so your question was, how do you know if you're an effective speaker or you need improvement? I'd say you know you're an effective speaker if people remember the key principle you're trying to teach them and usually they remember it through a story or through some sort of an analogy not through the point itself or a creative way of saying it not through you know point number 1 is this 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's that great chapter in the book Made to Stick where they, they talk about book. the... Yeah, isn't that... And there, there's that chapter where they talk about the class at Stanford, I believe, and how they were... All the students had to give a, a presentation, and they were... Immediately after each presentation, the other students in the class who had been the audience were asked to rate the presentation. And they rated, as you can imagine, all the really slick speakers, the, the people that had the three points and said them, spoke them very well and were articulate and didn't say ums and uhs and so forth and, and have foreign accents. They rated them very highly. Then the professor distracted the whole class. After the last speech, they distracted the whole class with a 10-minute video and then after that video, they asked the class, which presentations do you remember? And it was ama- the students themselves were amazed that they couldn't remember most of the slick presentations, what the point was. What they could remember were the points that came from the students who told stories, including foreign speakers who were struggling through English, where English was their second language. <laughs> I forgot about that. Isn't that? I forgot. That's it. By the way... That's the best book on communication you can read because it does talk about how do you make something sticky? How do you make some how do you present something in such a way that it sticks with somebody? It's a fan fantastic book. And and one let me say one more thing. Think I j- this is just a great analogy not from from I, you know I've told you a couple things from what I do, but think about certain things like when I say you had me at hello. Mm-hmm. You had me at hello. Everybody knows, anybody who's seen that movie knows that whole thing. And instantly that whole scene comes together and you you know what the point was of that whole, whole scene. And that's why that phrase, by the way, has become so sticky. And that's why even today, if you were a communicator and you said that in a speech, everybody would know what you're talking about. That's how powerful that uh, that phrase tied to that story. So that's that's a great example of what I'm talking about. Well, I love that you hit on that point when, when I asked what can you do to improve. And it, it does seem like if you did nothing else, that would be the one thing. Absolutely. To tell stories to make a point. And, and certainly don't skip stories and don't just use stories to illustrate a point. I love that. You said it's very important for a, a leader to be able to field questions at the end. And to me, that's so associated with impromptu speaking, being able to just speak mm-hmm. off the top of your head or, or from the heart, if you will. And a lot of us can do really well if we have a chance to plan and practice. But how? what do you do if you're not so sure of yourself fielding questions and having to speak uh, off the cuff? Well, here's what I would say on that. Number one, I don't want to be presenting on something that I don't have expertise on. So if you're a leader and you're presenting, you're, you're saying to a group, we're going in this direction, um, you, you need to have done your homework and be have the most expertise. You should be the most well-read, well-thought-out person on that topic in the room. And that's not to say you're going to be able to answer everything. And when you can't answer it, you just say, you know, I'm not really sure how to answer that one. But if you're, if, you know, if you're trying to take an organization in a certain direction and you haven't thought it out well enough to where you know your 
what questions are probably even going to be asked, then you are going to get in trouble. And I, and I even think about when, when I've been leading uh, larger organizations in the past and we were making some major changes and we had to communicate that. And I, I have this concept that I, I say fast is slow and slow is fast. And what I mean by that is let's say I want to make a huge transition with my company or my organization and really change things around. Well, if I want to do that as fast as I can, then what I actually need to do on the front end is slow down. And I need to slow down and I need to think through it. I need to sit down with key members of my team and think through that, do some study with them, do some, uh, you might even need to do some uh, set up some sample groups to do some questioning with them and walk them through what you're thinking and get feedback from them and do all those different uh, things that most people don't want to take the time to do. But if you take three months or six months, I think of one major change where I we wanted to make the change in August and we actually started processing it in January to make this change. And we had um, groups that we set up to ask through the questions. We did all those different types of things. So fast is slow. We slowed down. Well, by the time we went to present this to the, the larger group that we were leading, we had all the pretty much all the questions already answered. And we had knocked off a lot of a lot of the rough edges to this proposal and then some of the questions we had back we we got from the people that we were leading uh we we already knew that they were going to be asked because we knew they were real legitimate issues and so we were prepared for that so fast is slow and slow is fast by by slowing down a little bit at the beginning by the time it got to august our implementation of that went through the roof. We went really fast with it from August on out simply because we had done our homework. And if we had said, hey, let's try to do this in March when we weren't prepared, what would have actually happened is we would have slowed down even more because we would have made huge mistakes and been blindsided. So a lot of times the ability to do Q&A isn't that you're not thinking well on your feet. It's that you you haven't done your homework yet. I love that. Yes. We, we found with a lot of our clients when, when we're rolling out a big change or initiative, and we'll just take that step of thinking ahead about what questions are we likely to get. And then you have the senior leadership, first of all, explain the changes to maybe some mid-managers or the HR managers, and they're going to come up with some additional questions. And you sort of vet things out. So by the time you're actually speaking to frontline people, you're you're much more prepared. So yeah, it's not really so much impromptu. It's it's just it's doing your homework ahead of time and anticipating that, hey, there is going to be a qu- time for questions. So you might as well think about it early. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And vetting, that's a, that's a great word. I mean, I, I didn't use that word, but that's exactly what you're talking about is vetting out all the different questions that could come. Well, last thing is just for someone who wants to improve their speaking and presenting skills, are there any resources that you would point them to? Well, you already mentioned one that I just think is phenomenal. It's my, I, I've read so many books on speaking. How do you put together a talk? Um, I love Made to Stick. Made, Made to Stick is not a book that will teach you how do you 
put a presentation together, but it will teach you what pieces of something makes it really sticky. And they have six different ingredients. And the more of those ingredients you can get into something you're communicating, the stickier it, it is. And that has been uh, perhaps the greatest resource for me as a as a professional speaker. Uh, I, I use that checklist all the time. And, and sometimes I might put a story in that isn't quite as funny, but I know has, has four sticky elements to it compared to a story that's really funny and only has one sticky element because I know which one they're going to remember and how it's going to impact the the point I'm trying to teach. Because again, I use stories and illustrations to teach the point, not just to support the point. So Made to Stick is huge. Uh, there's a great book. It's an old one called Dynamic uh, Secrets of Dynamic Communication by Ken Davis. It's That's great on nuts and bolts of how do you actually put together a presentation um, and it, it really helps you think here's the one thing I want to get across now how do I get that thing across it's very nuts and bolts well Kent Julian folks can find out more about you or even hire you to speak at their organization at kentjulian.com thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today hey it's been a blast being with you you're a good man Jesse In addition to the resources that Kent shared, I want to tell everyone about a couple of resources that Kent himself offers on becoming a better speaker. One is a teleseminar that I participated in when Kent presented it a while back on how to craft a keynote speech. I just, it was very well presented, a great approach to creating a great presentation, and it is Kent has recorded it and is going to be making it available. It's not uh, available right now for me to give you the specific address, but if you go to our show notes, the we'll be putting the link on there. It's a great first step in becoming a better speaker. Now, for those who are very serious about speaking and, in fact, might want to add professional speaking to their career portfolio, I would also recommend Kent's Boot Camp, which I attended myself and thought it was fantastic. It's called the Speak It Forward Bootcamp, and you can find out more at speakitforward.com. And I'll also provide a link in the show notes. That takes place twice a year just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And the next one coming up is May 2nd through the 4th. And this is a no-holds-barred, information-rich jumpstart on both creating the content as well as marketing and the whole business side of public speaking. And uh, if you would like to attend that, you can save $50 off the registration if you use the code JESSE, J-E-S-S-E. More about that in the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at engagingleader.com forward slash 26. And that's also the address you can use to provide comments on this episode. And we would love to hear what you think or any further questions you have for me or Kent. Or you can connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. Don't forget to get your free copy of our ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders Be a Better Leader in Every Area of Life. Just go to engagingleader.com forward slash book. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, 
Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.